Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. Well, good morning again. It's so great to see you. Look around your neighbor, step beside you and say, you really look good today. Really look good. And the other, make sure you say something to the person on the other side so they don't feel neglected. All right, you look great. We're so glad you're here today. Thank you for coming. We're finishing out our series, Sermon on the Mount, and I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed that. Uh, Before we get into that, let me just say this. Next week is Veterans Day. If you can wear your uniform, wear it. That's always a joke people laugh about. I know a few can. Uh, Wear your hat if you can't do that. But we just want to honor you and be sure that you're here next week for that. And I want to say thank you for those of you who did the honoring last week with the pastor appreciation gifts. We as pastors really appreciate that. I loved it. There were so many great cards and, and gifts. And, and I, I just got to give a shout out to Sharon. Uh, she hand makes cards. And uh, she's struggling. They have some issues from the leftover from COVID and all that, Sharon and Paul. But he's always online. But she does, she does these handmade cards that beat anything you get in the drugstore. And then I like this one, especially, Paul, because there was a little pouch right here. And you put a, a, a little green thing in there. And that little green thing was awesome. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wow, it's great to see you today. You have your Bible, your cell phone, your, your smartphone, however you have the Bible. Let's raise it up and let's say this today together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. It is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to wrap up the Sermon on the Mount today by quickly moving through uh, verses 13 through 29. And we're going to find that Jesus is going to call us today some, to some next steps, to some decisions. You are today the sum of all the decisions that you've made up until today. You are. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for the great worship. Thank you for everyone who serves here at the Father's house. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to have this property and the buildings. And thank you, Lord, for the lives that are touched to change to service today, mostly filled. We just give you glory because it's you, Lord, not us, because lives are being changed on the journey of destiny. And so, Lord, today I pray, I just humble myself and I say, Holy Spirit, anoint me today. Please, Holy Spirit, don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. But make sure I say everything that you want me to say today. Because eternity is in the balances. Speak to us individually today as we look into this passage. And those that can't be with us today, we ask you to encourage them, be with them in your name, Jesus. Amen. So in these verses in this chapter today, Jesus gives us several pictures. He says we need to make a decision. And Jesus says there are going to be two ways, two trees, and two foundations. So when I study this passage, I immediately think there's some questions we need to ask ourselves. Here's the first question. If you're taking notes, write this down. If not, you should be taking notes. Here it is. First question. Am I following Jesus personally? Would you say that out loud with me? Am I following Jesus personally? 
Am I personally following Jesus? And he says here in Matthew chapter 17, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 13 and 14, enter by the what kind of gate? Yeah. Narrow gate. You ever been in a narrow gate? You ever been in one of those turnstiles you got to go through and you wonder if you're going to get your hiney all the way through before it turns around? Or maybe you're in the hotel getting ready to go in the hotel and they got those revolving doors and it's supposed to be for like one person to go in. There's like three people trying to crowd you through and you wonder if you're going to get through the very narrow revolving door. And Jesus is saying today, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leads to what? Destruction. And there be many that go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few that find it. <clears throat> and Pastor Tim, you're like this. In between services, someone said, yeah, and they gave me this, and this is a t-shirt. The fact that there's a highway to hell and only a stairway to heaven says a lot about the anticipated numbers, yeah. right? Some of you old rockers caught that, right? God makes it easy for us. He boils it down into two paths, two gates, two roads, two destinations. Not more. You know, I, uh, I like options. But my wife, Anita, she's not in here. She's teaching growth tracks, so I'll, I'll just tell you this. If you ever really want to confuse her, give her multiple choices. I mean, if it's just a couple of three choices, man, she can make a choice. But if I say, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? She just, too many choices, too many. I, I, I can't. And she gets stuck because she can't make a decision. I, I like that. So anyway, <laughs> Jesus says, I know some of you feel that way. But he says, there's only two gates. There's only two half highways. And there's only two destinations. And he says, make the right decision. So my question simply is today, and I've, I, I just feel the Holy Spirit just driving this. Are you sure without a shadow of a doubt that you've made the right decision? Are you sure you're on the highway that leads to life or are you the highway that leads to death? Are you on the highway that leads to heaven? Or are you on the highway that leads to hell? There's no options. There's no in-between. You'll spend eternity either with the Lord or separated from the Lord. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. So are you on the road to restoration or the road to destruction? Here's what Jesus says. Narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few that find it. So right up front, he says, I, I, want, I want to be honest with you. Because we try so hard to please everybody. We tried to make it easy. You ever heard say, well, just give your life to Jesus. It's always banana pudding and chocolate cake and ice cream, whatever you want. But Jesus doesn't say that here. He says, if you make a decision to follow me, he is the gate. See, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. Now, the only way it's easy is because he is our strength and he helps us. 
So if you think you make a decision, then all of a sudden it's going to be easy. No, it's not. That's why, that's why once you give your heart to the Lord and you pray, the enemy comes against you so hard and say, are you sure that was the right? But he says, narrow is the gate. He says, enter the gate. In the Greek, when you study that, it's a command. He's not saying, think about the gate. He's saying, Mike, enter the gate. Now think about it. We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. And by the way, uh, you should go with us in December of 2023. We leave on December the 5th. We're going to make another trip, a return trip to the Holy Land. And we'll actually, one of the places we'll be is where Jesus taught this Sermon on the Mount. The brochures will be available very soon. But, but Jesus has had them there. I don't know how long it's been. I don't know how long he's been teaching. But he brings it to a decision here. He brings it to a decision. And, and it's not like he says, I want you to make a decision. He says, now, Al, after all I've taught you enter the narrow gate it's a command he doesn't say consider it he says to those who've just listened to this sermon enter the narrow gate he doesn't say ponder the gate oh it's beautiful he doesn't say admire the gate but he says enter the narrow gate follow me so here's the question again are you sure that you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ are you sure you know him personally? Personally. Personally. People, yeah, you know, I, you ask somebody that question. Yeah, you know, when I was in college, I studied uh, 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 comparative religions, and I really liked Jesus. You know, he's a pretty good guy. He spoke a lot of neat things. I really have respect for him. But Jesus is not saying here, I want you to respect me. He says, I want you to receive me into your life. Jesus says, most people aren't going to be saved. They won't make it to heaven. My sorry, sad thing today would be that you would sit here and think you're on your way to heaven and you wake up one day and you're far away from God because you tried to make your own way instead of his way. I, uh, I don't know in a long time that I've struggled any more than with this teaching that I'm teaching today because it'd be so easy for people to misunderstand that. It's like several weeks ago, I preached what I thought was a pretty decent sermon. And one of the reviews somebody put on the internet was, man, that church, they preach, they preach hell and brimstone. I think, whoa, wow. Now you might say that after I finish today, but I don't think you get to say that there. But the truth is, there is either an eternity with the Lord or an eternity separated from him. And whether that's a physical fire, or an emotional fire, I don't know. I just know the rich man who was in hell lifted up his eyes and he said, these flames are tormenting me. Send somebody with water. All I know is this, you're going to be separated from God and separated from others. You heard somebody say, well, we're just going, me and my buddies, we're just going to go to hell. We'll have a party together. No, you won't. To be in hell means to be eternally separated in darkness. That means that you are eternally separated from everybody else and from God in darkness. Wow. So he says this. Most people aren't going to be saved. He wants everybody saved. It's not that God only wants a few saved. He says, I, I want all to repent. But the issue is... Uh, Andrew, you did this so good yesterday. Andrew spoke at the men's uh, breakfast yesterday, did an amazing job. And uh, too bad it's not recorded so his wife could listen to it and make sure she knows how great he is. But anyway, 
He talked yesterday about, you know, we have our bat, we have, we have our ball, and we have our bat. Make sure you understand the, the difference. That's how sports-driven I am, right? And so we, we bring our ball and bat, we come to God, we come to church, we say, God, I'm going to invite you to be on my team. I need you on my team. But God says, no, it doesn't kind of work that way. I didn't come to be on your team. But I'm going to invite you to be on my team. Yeah, Lord, I'd love to be on your team, right? I'd love to be on your team. And guess what? I brought my own bat and my own ball. And God says, no, not on my team. If you're going to play on my team, you can't bring your own agenda. You can't bring your own interpretation of Scripture. But you're going to have to be willing to lay down your agenda and say, okay. But you see, there are a lot of people that will simply say, well, Lord, it's, I'm giving you me. And, and, and don't ask me to, to lay down my ball and my bat. It's my agenda. And if you're really a loving God, if you're really a caring God, you're going to do what I want you to do or what I heard Brother Billy Bob teach on the Internet or Sister Goosebumps taught on the Internet. And so that's what they taught. And so here it is, Jesus. Here's what Sister Goosebumps said. Here's what Uncle Billy Bob said. And so I'm coming with that ball and with that bat. God says, no, I am the gate, and few there be that enter in. You see, you can't, you can't get through the narrow gate carrying your own ball and bat. So many of you are VIPs. You, you go to a place, and you don't wait in line. You're a VIP. So what do you do? You get the side entrance. You get to come in the side entrance, right? I mean, you, you pay big books, buck, bucks for that because you're a VIP. But God says, no, there are no VIPs. There's no side entrance. There's no, there's no little wider place over here where you can bring in your own agenda and your own scripture interpretation. He just plays out. He likes that plane here. He says, when you come, there's no room for your own ball and bat. You have to lay it down. And then you come in. You know the difference between a river and a swamp? A river has banks, a river has banks, but a swamp doesn't. See, a river has a bank line in which the water ends. You have to stay, and I, I know the difference is there's water that flows through a river and it doesn't flow in a swamp. But a swamp has no banks. There's no restrictions. There's no place where you say, well, there's the bank of the swamp. But you can say, there's the bank of the river. So here's what God is saying. Listen, you can live your life living in the swamp. And there's no boundaries. There's no restrictions. There's no narrow, tight places where I have to lay down my will, my feelings, my hopes. But I can live in the swamp. But in the swamp, there's not a lot except alligators and sticky, stinky stuff. Question one, am I following Jesus personally? Question two, are there godly fruits in my life? 
Are there godly fruits in my life? See, we talked about last week, God doesn't ask us to, to be judgmental, but he tells us, I want you to be fruit inspectors. If I tell you I have an orange tree in my backyard, how would you know that it's a real orange tree? Have oranges, right? It wouldn't grow persimmons. It would grow oranges. So here's what Jesus says. Investigate your life. Here's how you tell the difference between a real and a counterfeit, or maybe I should say a pretend Christian, or a deceived Christian. That's a contrast of words, isn't it? He said, the way that you tell the difference is by the fruit. Verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They're an assignment from hell, right? You'll know them by their what? By the fruit, not their words, not their dress, not what they do, but you can know them by their fruits. It's a fruit. Here's the fruit. It's obedience. Because people will say, well, I believe they're a believer, so they're so kind and they're so gentle and they're so compassionate. All of those things we need in our life, but the judging of what it is to have the fruit of, that, of the Lord is that you are obedient to his word. You'll know them by the fruits. He said, do men gather grapes from a thorn bushes or figs from a thistle? Even so, every good tree bears what? What kind of fruit? Good. See, here's what I love about this passage. He said, every good tree bears good fruit. It's not that I have to, oh, I got to bear some good fruit. Oh, it's hard. I got to bear. No, he says, look, if you've gone through the narrow gate, if you've laid down your bat and ball, if you've come in and you're willing to let me put restrictions on you and not you always have your own agenda, he said, here's what I promise you. You're going to produce good fruit. It's a fruit of obedience. It's not the fruit of works, but it's doing and being obedient to his word. Does that make sense? Every good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Immediately, Jesus says, notice what he says, enter, enter, he's commanding us, enter the narrow gate. It's restrictive. It's going to be difficult. And a lot of people are not going to go that way. And then the next thing he says, beware of false prophets. And he says, then he says to us, false prophets are not going to knock on your door and introduce themselves. Hello, I am a false prophet. This is my name tag, false prophet. I've come to tell you something that's not according to God's word. But he said, no, false prophets are over there standing by the narrow gate. And as you come over to walk through the narrow gate, they'll say things like this. It's either gate. All roads lead to God. Because good God. It does. That restrictive stuff? No. What, they, what the Bible says? No, that's not for you. You were born in a Christian home. You were dedicated as a child. And God's going to remember how that you were dedicated as a child. And he's going to pull you through to eternal life. False prophets. Sounds good. Looks good. Feels good. 
the way is destruction. The way is destruction. In the social media crazy world we're living in today, it's made it so much easier for false prophets. Many will come in my name, Jesus said, and they'll say, <clears throat> I am Christ, and de deceive many. You'll recognize them by the fruit. Is it obedience? Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Why? Not everyone. Now remember, Jesus is talking to followers of his in one way or another. These are not, these are not sinners. These are followers. He's talking to his inner group of followers. He went up the mountain, remember, six, seven weeks ago. He went up the mountain. There's a big crowd down below. But then there are others that were his followers, maybe 100, 200. We don't know what. But they're Christ's followers in one way or another. And he says to them this. Not every one of you who says to me, and he doesn't, he doesn't just say Lord. He says, Lord, Lord. Now, when you study the Bible, anytime there is a, there is a, uh, a double use of that word, it, it's significant. So he's saying, there's some of you that are going to say, Lord, Lord. In other words, I know who you are. You're, you're Jesus. That's like saying, uh, somebody said, do you, know who, do you know the president? And you say, of course I know the president. I know what he looks like. I know how he talks. I know how he moves. He, he's my president. I, I know the president. But then you say, but do you really know him? Do you have a relationship with him? And then we have to realize, I, I don't really know him, but I recognize him. And if you're an American, he is your president. Some of you thought just ran through your mind. I didn't have that in the first service, but I had it in this service. He's not my president. Then leave America and don't vote on Tuesday, all right? And then complain the rest of the time. The Bible says pray for those that are in authority. So somebody needed that. Whew, Holy Spirit, I gave me that. I didn't have that in the first service. Whew, I'm off track now. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. But he who does the will of my Father, being obedient to this word. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We went through growth track. We were in life groups. I volunteered to park cars. I served on social media. I served on the worship team. I went on a mission team. I actually taught. I actually prayed for somebody and they got healed. I even cast out demons in your name. And I did many wonders. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who, here's the key word, you who practice lawlessness. You who practice disobedience. Here's the narrow gate. Here's the restrictions. And you say, yeah, I'll go this way if, if he'll let me make my own. No, he says, I'll have to say to you, even though you said the right words and did the right things, I don't know you. We don't have a relationship because you practice. It doesn't say that you sin but it says you practice lawlessness. 
You see, the difference between what a person says and what a person does, that's what he's saying here. You say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all of these things? They can say the right things, but they haven't submitted to the Lord. They have eternal language, but they don't have eternal life. He says, it's not everybody that says the right language has the right relationship. What's missing is a lifestyle. He says, depart from me because you are constantly practicing disobedience. Here's what he's saying. You practice lawlessness. It's a, if you want to catch this, if you want to write this down, it's a perpetual, habitual lifestyle that's contrary to Scripture. A perpetual, ongoing, habitual lifestyle contrary to Scripture. Now, nobody is perfect. We all struggle with sin in one way or another. But a true believer doesn't perpetually live in sin. Now, they may occasionally sin, and that's why Jesus taught us, say, Father, forgive us for what we do. Do you understand the difference? It's a willful going against his word to live in an habitual lifestyle that's not according to his word. Someone said it this way, and boy, this really helped me when I read this. A Christian is not somebody to whom, a Christian is somebody to whom sin clings. In other words, we all have a sin that we struggle with. And we keep struggling with this. No matter how many times I fail, I keep struggling with this. I'm not going to yield to this. I'm not going to give in to this no matter what happens. I, no matter how many times I have to ask God to forgive me, I'm not going to give in to this. A Christian is somebody that sin clings to. But an unbeliever is someone who clings to sin. It's someone who clings to sin. You see, it's sort of like this. I know, you would say, I know that sex outside of marriage, God considers it a sin. If I'm living with someone who's not my spouse, I'm living in sin. And, I, and, I, and I, I don't want to live that way. And I hear, hear people say, you know, I, I just, I, I have a real tough time. I have a tough time keeping my zipper up. I, I date a woman for a while or I date a man and, and, and everything is going good. And I feel like they love me and, and all of that. And I find myself yielding to sexual sin over and over. And I know it's wrong and I don't want to live that way. I, is there something weird that's wrong with me? Because I don't, I don't want to live in that. He says, that's sin trying to cling to you. But when you're over here and you say, I know what the Bible says. But you don't know how much we love each other. You don't know how good he is to me or how good she is to me. He says, then, as I read this, don't call yourself a believer. He says, you're practicing. You're committed to it. It's like somebody says, I struggle with same-sex relationships. I know it's not right. I know it's not in the Bible. I know that it's wrong. I know that the world accepts it, says there's nothing wrong with that. But I struggle with that difficulty. Then the other extreme is, it's who I am. I'm a homosexual. 
That's who I am. Then he says in this passage, you're practicing lawlessness. And then don't anticipate that you're on the road that leads to heaven. I didn't say that. He said that. And I, it's going to get harder and harder on the church to stand for truth. Because people just accept. And, they, and they're, listen, there's no difference in somebody who's struggling with pornography. You know it's wrong. You ask God to forgive you. But then there are some men who were up last night. And it's a constant lifestyle with you. And you treat your wife like crud. Because you think she should be like the porno person that you see there. And it's not real. And then you yet raise your hand and say, you're on your way to heaven. I'm telling you, this is a come to Jesus, drawing a line in the sand this morning. You need to figure out which road you're really on. I didn't say you won't struggle with that anymore. But I'm saying it's when you just accept it. Well, I know maybe I drank a little too much. You help me I, because I, I, I just don't want to do that. Hey, it doesn't matter how much you drink. I'm just a drunkard. Those who practice lawlessness. And they say, Lord, Lord, here's a, here is a scripture that drives me to my knees with responsibility. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. It's on the Sky Bible. Don't you know that those who do such things have no share in the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who live immoral lives are idol worshipers, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, slanders, or robbers. Line the sand. They have no life in the kingdom. There was a time when that was some of you. But now, your sins are washed away. And you're set apart for God. And accepted you of what the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God has done for you. He doesn't say you won't still struggle. I'm not your judge this morning. All I can do is preach truth. And I know you have what ifs, but what if, or have you seen it this way? But here's my, here's, my, here's my question. Are you willing to risk an eternity based on how you think it should be? Or lining up with what the word says? He says, I never knew you. You had the right words, you had the right actions, but you weren't obedient to my word. So the question is, am I following Jesus personally? Are there godly fruits in my life? And how am I building? He said, those who decide to follow me build a certain way. Therefore, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will like him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, 
and it didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his life on the sand, and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and great was the fall of it. Look to your left, look to your right. There's a house. Every person here is a house. Your life is a house. Now, I, I, and some of you are decorated really nice. Some of you look like you crawled out of bed and you didn't look in the mirror before you came. No, I'm talking about those that are online because they're sitting there in their pajamas. But I can't, I can't tell the difference between a believer or an unbeliever by just how you look. Because I grew up in the age that if you were a true believer, you wore no makeup, no jewelry, and you didn't go to movies, you didn't smoke, you didn't drink, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, and you looked like you'd been baptized in sour dill pickle juice. <laughs> they're a believer because they're miserable. I like what somebody said to me between services. I love to come to church. It's fun to come to church. But Jesus says, don't just look at the house. But he said, I want you to look at the foundation of the house. This week we went by to pray over Sean's house. They're building a new house. It's, it's nice. And, and I, but I noticed that when I would look under the house, of course, here in, in, in Florida, you don't have many people have basements, right? So you don't know what's under that house. Most houses are a, a, a concrete slab, right? And Sean Justine, when they, before they poured the slab, they put a Bible wrapped in uh, tinfoil and a paper ba uh, a plastic bag and buried it in the concrete so that the foundation of their house would be on the Word. And I looked at that and I thought, that's cool. But then I looked on the, uh, around Sean's area where there wasn't a poured concrete slab. And I thought, Sean's got great plans for a house and it looks really nice. But what if he built that house on sand? No, no solid platform. Well, you'd say, well, he's not a very good builder. I don't want him to frame my house, right? Because why? Because the winds blow, the rain comes, the hurricanes come. No matter how good the house looks, if the foundation is not right, it's going to fall. Jesus says, please hear my words. You can build a house so it looks good on the outside. But if you don't build it on the one foundation, Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the way. I am the life. I'm the foundation. And you see, so then he says, look at the house, look under the house, and then look ahead because storms are coming. How do I know somebody's a real believer? The wolf will huff and puff and blow, but the house stands. See, you're going through a storm right now and you wonder, I thought if God really loved me, he wouldn't let me be going through a storm right now. 
He's letting you go through a storm right now so that you know that your foundation is solid and you can stand against anything the enemy wants to throw at you. And then, of course, the last storm that we're going to face is the judgment bar of God in which he's going to judge where we are. So he says, I want you to build on a solid rock. How, how do we build that? Well, first of all, we obey him. He says, repent and be baptized. So we want to be sure that we're baptized. He said, be filled with the spirit. So we want to be filled with the spirit. One of the things here at the father's house we say is go through growth track. Every first, second, third, fourth Sunday, starting today at 1030. We say four Sundays, give us four Sundays to help you on your foundation. To, to let you know a little bit about the father's house. But then we help you to discover who you are. So that you know what foundation you need to build on. And then what to do with your life. Join a team. Uh, what's the purpose? And then live with the power. And then we encourage you to be sure that you're in a small group. We call them life groups. We do life together. And uh, the next life groups will be our spring semester. And uh, it'll be sign-ups in January for the spring semesters. But there may be some of you say, you know what? I'd like to be a life group leader. What do you have to do? How, how important is that? Well, you need to go through growth track and you need to uh, just sign up and Tanya Tornado will give you a call and she'll set you up with training the last Sunday of this month. So you can take that connection card out and you can uh, say, hey, I'm interested in leading a life group and she'll contact you. Verse 28, 29, Jesus finished and when he had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one that's having authority, having authority. So in summary, there are two ways that tell us to examine the cost of our profession. There are two trees that tell us to investigate whether our lives have really changed. Or is there godly fruit in our life? We need to investigate our life. And he says, there's two houses that remind us that only true faith in Christ will last. Now, in just a moment, we're going to pray. Because I don't know about you, but I, in thinking of my own life, this is the second time I've taught this today, and probably a hundred times I've listened to it during the last couple, three weeks. I want to take an inventory of my life. Here, here's what I know about a church. Imagine that if we were a church that were only about truth and not about love, we'd be a church full of conviction, right? The trouble is that really sounds like condemnation. If it's all truth, 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 and no love and compassion, that's really condemnation. And you and I both know we've come through churches that are all about condemnation. But if the opposite was, we're all about love and light on the truth, there'd be a lot of compassion, but very little conviction. And that would be more like condoning. Here at the Father's house, we don't want to condone sin nor do we want to condemn the sinner. And I hope you don't feel that way today. God knows my desire is not to make somebody feel like a heel or to feel worth then. My desire is for you to find this narrow gate 
He says, I know if I walk through this gate, I've got to lay down some of my own thoughts and feelings and desires. But is it worth me staying here and jeopardizing eternity? Or am I willing to squeeze through this gate, be uncomfortable, struggle, fight with sin, that one day I'll see him and he'll say, I know you. Because I had a relationship with you. You were willing to give up so much to be in my presence. But then we would say, but Jesus, you gave up, you gave up all of the beautiful things of heaven to come to this earth and live a sinless life and to die on the cross. And you who've never been separated from God experience the darkness of what hell is like. And you cried out and you said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, God, if there's any other way, let it pass. He's not saying, Lord, let the pain pass. He's saying, I know if I take the, if I take the sin of Tim Travis on that cross, there's no way you can look at the sin of Tim Travis. And on that day, you, Father God, will have to turn your face from me because you can't look upon sin. And on that day, because of Tim, because of his sin, I will experience what people will experience separated from you from all eternity. My God, why have you turned your back on me? Why have you forsaken me? Nobody took the life of Jesus. He laid down his life. And after he'd finished all the prophetic words, he looked up. It's finished. He was willing to give up everything. And for us to say, I'm not willing to give up some little thing for eternity. No, it's not worth it. Would you bow your heads with me? I only ask you to bow your heads and no one talking, no one moving around unless you're on assignment. I only ask you to bow your heads and, because I want you to consider what the Word has given us today and to consider what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us right now. Just shut everybody else out. Not thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen this afternoon. Just thinking about Am I in a right relationship with God? Am I under his authority? Do I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I were to die right now, I would go to be with the Lord? Or maybe you say, you know, years ago, I committed my life to God, but I've just kind of got sidetracked and I've let a lot of false words just pull me away from the Lord. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. Jesus says, make a decision. He said, enter the gate. And it's going to be restrictive. You're not going to be able to have it all your way. But he's going to give you a new bat and ball that hits home runs. 
and helps you to win the World Series. So in just a minute, if you say, you know, Terry, I need to be sure today. I want to pray a prayer and really make a commitment to know without a shadow of a doubt that I've given my heart to the Lord and I'm willing to build on the foundation the way he wants me to build. Or if you say, you know what, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. It's been, I've just got sidetracked. Holy Spirit, speak to our heart. No condemnation, but conviction. Conviction of your love for eternity. Eternity's at stake. If you're here today and say, Terry, you know, maybe for the very first time or recommitting your life to the Lord, I want to pray that prayer today. I want to be sure. The scripture said, as many as call upon the Lord can be saved. The scripture said, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, can be saved. So if you'd say today, in just a minute, Terry, I need that prayer. I'd like you to make eye contact with me. I want to see your eyes. And I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Come on. Raise your hand and say, that's me today. Thank you. Thank you. Others today. Thank you. Thank you. Others today, join those five. Others today, that's me. That's me. I don't want to put it off. I don't want to put it off anymore. But I want to make sure today. I want to make sure today. There you go. Others. Others today, that's me. And those of you that are watching on it, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And some of you that are watching online, let me lead you in a prayer. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. Somebody right now is thinking, but I don't know if I'm able to live this. No, we're not able to live it on our own. That's why he said, I live, but yet not I, but Christ lives in me. If we're willing to lay down our bat and ball, he gives us the ability to live his way. Pray this prayer with me today. Thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I confess today I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me live by your standards as best as I know how. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.